0: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6.
1: Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris is off this week. The BC government has unveiled its plans for regulating the sale of non medicinal marijuana, and it will be one of the most sweeping changes to BC law in history. Cannabis will be mostly subject to the same restrictions as tobacco. The legal age of possession will be 19, the same as alcohol. And as our Keith Baldry first reported last night, it will not be sold in liquor stores, although the Liquor Control Board will be in charge. In a moment, we'll tell you how the province plans to handle driving under the influence of pot. But first, Ted Chernecki has more on the major new regulations.
2: Province right now announcing how it plans to regulate recreational
0: marijuana. Breaking news this afternoon, BC's Attorney General laying out a few more details of what the legal marijuana marketplace might look like in the months ahead. But I want to be clear. First up, you won't be able to buy marijuana in liquor stores, but the liquor distribution branch will run the show for both public and private sellers.
3: This is really the dream come true. We've devoted our lives to legalization and we've laid the groundwork and been the model.
0: 30 grams is the maximum allowed to be carried on a person. 19 years or older. Non-medical marijuana, smoking, or vaping is banned from all public places frequented by children. You can grow up to four plants at home, but they can't be visible to the public. And as for all those existing medical marijuana stores, they'll need a license from the province and a permit from the municipality.
4: If they want to, 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 to be in business, they're going to have to apply. They're going to have to get a license and approval from the city, and they're going to have to get a license uh, or approval from, uh, from the, the province of British Columbia.
0: Users were paying close attention as the details were read out today. Unlike liquor stores, for example, no minors will be allowed in pot shops. No alcohol, tobacco, or lottery sales allowed. No edibles for at least another year or more. And municipalities have final say with the liquor distribution branch overseeing it all. Like prohibiting any sampling in pot shops. You see craft beers and all these craft beers opening up. And people, you know, supporting a small community, a tight knit. And I think that's what cannabis is trying to reach out for. It's
5: far, far less dangerous than alcohol. And that needs to be recognized.
0: Users reacted with anger. They're still being stigmatized. That far from relaxing the law, they're making it worse with a litany of new laws. Anyone with a criminal record, for example, and that's just about every pot activist out there, is barred from getting a license.
3: Legalization was supposed to make it possible for us to be legal and licensed and do what we do without criminal records or sanctions. So I hope that we'll be invited in an inclusive model.
0: Most of the details still need to be worked out. The only thing B.C. is close to finalizing is the licensing process, which will begin in a few months. Ted Czernicki, Global News.
1: Well, now that we know more about what's involved, we have an even a better idea of how all-consuming this will be for the provincial government. As we mentioned, Keith Baldry broke some of these details on the News Hour last night. He joins us from Victoria with more on how it'll all be rolled out. Keith?
6: Yeah, this is a gargantuan issue, Sophie. It goes far beyond what Mike Farnworth talked about today. In fact, Farnworth tells me in the upcoming legislative session, he's dubbed it the Cannabis and Budget Session. That's all the rooms it's going to be for legislation. It's to do with the budget and with the many bills that have to be amended to accommodate the legalization of cannabis. We're talking upwards of 18 separate pieces of legislation that amend all sorts of existing statutes from the Motor Vehicle Act to, uh, to laws that govern tenancy rights and landlord rights and those types of things. It reaches is far and wide, and which is why really it's tied up a lot of things the NDP would normally want to implement fresh after an election when a lot of those priorities are going to have to be put on hold now, according to Farnworth, to accommodate the federal uh, government's enforcement of legalizing cannabis come July. So a lot of work between now and July to allow BC to get ready. So today's news conference, Mike Farnworth, basically the opening salvo, what's going to be a long running uh, procedure and challenge for the NDP government to implement what the laws that have to be implemented to meet that legalization.
1: All right. Thanks for that, Keith Baldry in Victoria. Of course, one of the biggest concerns about all of this is on the roads. Studies have found an increase in accident rates in U.S. states that have legalized marijuana. The new B.C. regulations will place strict controls on even carrying pot in a car. But as Grace Key reports, one key question is still unanswered
7: police are about to get more tools when it comes to getting drug-impaired drivers off the road once the legalization of recreational marijuana kicks in. But these new regulations are expected to see legal challenges. If the legislation is passed on, say, you know, March 1st, it's going to be challenged on March 2nd. Anyone caught driving while drug-impaired could get hit with a 90-day driving ban. And similar to alcohol, there will also be zero tolerance restrictions for the presence of THC for drivers in the graduated licensing program, there is concern over the 90-day ban when it comes to the reliability of roadside tests. Something the public safety minister acknowledges is an issue.
4: That's in the Senate uh, right now. It's one of the areas I said where we had where we have real concerns about uh, one, uh, the equipment, um, the test that's being used, when it will be ready, um, and the training that's going to be required.
7: Saliva screening devices are being tested at policing agencies throughout the country. And while the devices can detect the presence of a drug, the challenge deals with actual impairment. It can stay in your body for a longer period of time, depending
2: on how long you're using it, how frequent you're using it, and quite frankly, how much body fat you have. So it can remain in your system for weeks, even months after use, and of course
1: you're no longer being affected by it.
7: Similar to alcohol, marijuana cannot be in reach of a driver, and the province plans to increase training to law enforcement. Grace Key, Global News.
1: Brace yourself for even higher gas prices. Experts are predicting Victoria and Metro Vancouver could see a bump of another two cents per liter on top of what we're already paying. The interior could see spikes of between five and ten cents. Refinery concerns in Vancouver and Ontario are being blamed for the soaring prices. A coroner's inquest has begun into a controversial Vancouver police shooting that left a mentally disturbed man dead. As Jennifer Palmer reports, the family of 51-year-old Tony Du maintains police open fire without justification.
8: Lynn Chan wants closure as she speaks at the first day of the coroner's inquest into her brother's death. The Pivot Legal Society is speaking on behalf of Tony Dew's family. So it's been
2: over three years, and they have been waiting to get the information about what happened and, and find some kind of closure.
8: 51 year old Tony Dew was shot and killed during a confrontation with Vancouver police in November of 2014. Today, one of the witnesses, Wayne Klein, who called police for help, described Dew as brandishing a two by four at the time and shouting. Then he saw the officer get a gun. Eventually, Dew was shot. Klein wandered aloud. If he hadn't called police, Dew might still be alive. Also taking the stand, Dew's psychiatrist. He treated Dew's schizophrenia.
0: He was loud whenever he was upset, but he respond to limit the setting, and he's very gentle. And we uh, never seen any of un- his uh, unusual behavior.
8: Doctor Soma Ganasan said Dew took his medication regularly and spoke of him being banned from casinos. He would play and lose, getting agitated. In July of 2014, months before his death, he had been screaming he wanted to kill someone at a Richmond casino. Police were called in, and he was taken to hospital. Dr. Ganesan hopes one of the recommendations to come out of this inquest is to have better communication.
0: The, the system need to look at not just the casino, but also look at the law enforcement and look at the health authority.
8: When Du's sister took the stand, she commented on his caring nature and their move from Vietnam to Canada in 1980. The inquest runs until Friday. The five-person jury will come up with recommendations aimed at avoiding similar deaths. Jennifer Palma, Global News. A police incident in the Okanagan community of
1: Coldstream shut down a neighborhood today. RCMP responded just before midnight after getting a call from a man who was very upset and who they believed could be armed. They evacuated part of the surrounding neighborhood, closed roads, and told the remaining residents to stay inside after several hours police managed to arrest the man without incident there's no word yet on any charges a kamloops mother says she's appalled and outraged by the way her elementary school handled an alleged sexual assault against her daughter our jeff hastings is in the newsroom with the details on this story which are pretty troubling jeff
4: yeah that's right troubling and infuriating for the mother of a kamloops girl who says her daughter suffered a criminal assault last week and school officials did little to help or to punish those responsible the alleged assault occurred last tuesday january 30th at a kamloops elementary school during recess according to her mother the girl was lured to a secluded place by a boy where three other boys were waiting she says her daughter was struck groped and kissed while restrained suffering bruising the mother says the girl ran for help and was put back in class with the boys for the rest of the day without a call to tell her what had happened to her daughter. She says a school official told her it was a sexual assault, but they didn't want the boys singled out. And that it was up to her to report the incident to police.
5: I really think this is indicative of why our society has an epidemic of violence and sexual violence against girls and women, because... Nobody is willing to be accountable. No one's willing to address it. Everyone just wants to pretend it doesn't happen. And and then the unfortunate victims of these crimes are not only traumatized by the crime itself, but now they're walking around you know, with guilt and shame that isn't theirs to carry, and it's wrong.
4: According to the mother, a complaint was immediately made to Kamloops RCMP. She says police spoke to the boys and their families and alerted the Ministry of Children and Family Development to the matter.
5: CAMUPS RCMP uh, investigate all reports from School District 73 thoroughly. We cannot give any specifics on any investigation, so at this time we have nothing further to add.
4: The kamloops Thompson School District will not acknowledge that the incident occurred, saying only that to protect the privacy, health, and safety of students, School District 73 will not discuss allegations or incidents involving students. One of the boys has since been suspended. All are too young for criminal charges. The girl is traumatized by the attack and has not returned to the school. Her mother is trying to get her transferred.
1: All right, thanks for that. Jeff Hastings reporting in the newsroom tonight. A major shakeup in a Vancouver-based clothing giant as Lululemon CEO Laurent Potivan has resigned. A statement from the company only says Potivan fell short of its standards of conduct, but doesn't reveal any more information. The company says it has already started looking for a new CEO. The new tighter rules for qualifying for a mortgage are driving more and more would-be homeowners to alternative sources of financing. As Kylie Stanton reports, credit unions and private lenders are seeing a spike in
5: clients who can't get a mortgage from the big banks.
9: Is this what you'd like to see in your suite?
5: The already competitive housing market just got even tougher for would-be homebuyers. The new mortgage stress test that came into effect on January 1st of this year is forcing a growing number of borrowers to look elsewhere for financing, specifically to those not subject to federal rules.
10: There's been a real demand since even the mention of the B20 regulations. For me, businesses has doubled and tripled in demand for private capital.
5: Mortgage brokers say the rejection rate from large banks and traditional lenders has gone up as much as 20% in the past month. The clientele is largely buyers who would have easily qualified for a bank mortgage this time last year, but now no longer meet the standards.
10: I haven't seen applications from these caliber of clients before.
5: Under the new rules, to qualify for a mortgage offered to you at today's rate of 3.49%, you have to qualify as if it's 5.49%, and that additional 2% can make a big dent when it comes to buying a home. For example, a family who was approved at $700,000 last year may only be approved at about $500,000 now. And it looks like credit unions might not be the answer. Some are already beefing up a stress test of
11: their own. We want to make sure that when we're putting uh a member in a mortgage, and we're helping them buy a home that they can truly afford that home and can accept a slightly higher interest
0: rate in the future.
5: The Office of the Superintendent of Financial Institutions says these revisions reinforce a strong and prudent regulatory regime for residential mortgage underwriting in Canada. Here in BC, it's also yet another measure to help correct the already stressful real estate market. Whether it passes that test may not be known for several months. Kylie Stanton, Global News.
1: It has not been a good day on the stock markets thanks to concerns about inflation. The Dow Jones lost 1,175 points after plunging nearly 1,600 earlier in the day. That is its biggest point loss ever, a 4.6 percent drop that erased its gains for the year. In Toronto, the TSX is down 271 points. The loss is a reaction to concerns that signs of higher inflation could push the U.S. Federal Reserve to raise interest rates more quickly and slow down economic growth. For more on this, let's bring in our financial analyst, Michael Campbell. Michael, should people with retirement savings be worried about what happened today?
11: Well, they certainly had a bad day. I mean, I, my hair went even went whiter, Sophie, when I started to watch that market get down to fifteen, sixteen hundred in the Dow. Uh, and again, the Dow has been leading the way. Toronto didn't drop as much because it hasn't gone up as much. I mean, the Dow was still up 20% From this time last year, even after the decline Friday, after the decline today. So I think the other thing, people have to step back and say, look, am I a short-term person? Well, if you're short-term, you should have been active in the market. Are you a long-term person, which most people, savings the retirement, are? So yeah, I think you do stand back. This isn't a great day. I think it's undermined some of the market going forward. I expect tons of volatility going forward here. But I think in the end, uh, yeah, if I'm longer-term, I've got quality stuff, I'm holding on to it.
1: So don't panic. All
11: right. No, a panic is never a real good idea in the stock market. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thanks very much, Michael Campbell, joining us from Victoria. First, though, breaking details on charges in connection with a fatal hit and run in Maple Ridge last fall. 48-year-old Laura Wachishin, a mother and grandmother, was killed last September. The avid motorcyclist was riding with a group on the Lougheed Highway when she was struck head-on by an oncoming car. The driver took off. RCMP later recovered an abandoned and damaged gray 2003 Pontiac Sunfire similar to this one. Global News has learned Ryan Gerald Lowe has been charged with dangerous driving and impaired driving causing death and failing to stop at the scene of an accident. RCMP are set to release more details tomorrow. Well, as we first told you last night, a weekend bus trip for a group of foreign students took a terrifying turn on the Coquihalla Highway. Shocking dashcam video shows the coach spinning out of control before a tour guide flies through the windshield. The incident prompting calls for passengers to wear seatbelts. But as Tanya Bezier reports, the trucking industry says the laws would have
12: to change first.
13: Coquihalla is a road that's synonymous with tough luck.
12: Sheer luck that nobody was killed when a tour bus lost control, swerving back and forth across the Coquihalla as the driver fought to stay on course, but crashed into the meridian, ejecting one of the passengers.
13: Probably when the bus hit the ditch, the, uh, hit the snowbank the first time, he was probably dislodged, and then when the bus spun around is when the centrifugal force took over and shot him out the window.
12: Just as a semi-trailer drove by...
13: It could have easily been struck by another vehicle losing control in behind.
12: The tour guide ended up in the snowbank with a broken femur. A group of international students on board were unharmed and continued on the road to Banff.
13: You know, it's a good indication maybe they need seatbelts in these buses.
9: I need everybody. I just had a bus go
12: off the road. The Coquihalla has witnessed several catastrophic bus crashes. In 2017, Transport Canada proposed new rules that would require seatbelts on medium and large highway buses. The BC Trucking Association says it supports the move but wants to make sure drivers aren't held responsible.
9: Yes, a driver can do a walk down before the trip begins, but they can't exactly get out of their seat as they're driving down the highway to ensure that everybody is belted in.
12: Starting next summer, the federal government is also mandating that new intercity buses use electronic stability control systems. That's technology to prevent rollovers. But preventing crashes on the Coquihalla could be as simple as slowing down
13: have the uh, you know they see that sign that says 120 kilometers an hour and by golly they got to do it up here and unfortunately they should be only doing maybe 60.
12: Tanyabesha Global News.
1: Researchers are now using drones to track jellyfish blooms off BC's central coast. As the marine life clusters become more widespread UBC scientists are looking to understand their behaviors and populations better including their impact on species like salmon which compete with jellyfish for food. The aerial drones can fly low and produce high-quality images and are more cost-effective than airplane cameras. Well, if you've purchased any big-box electronics recently, you might want to check your receipt. A global news investigation has discovered a major retailer overcharged the recycling fee on a certain product. Our Consumer Matters reporter Andrea is here with more. This is a lesson for everyone, Ann.
2: I know. You've got to keep your eye on everything. Thanks, Sophie. The Environmental Handling Fee, or EHF, is applied to all new electronics in this province. The retailers collect the fee, and 100% of that fee is handed over to the Electronic Products Recycling Association. But a Vancouver resident says he was recently overcharged the EHF by a well-known retailer. Here's what happened when Consumer Matters got involved. Colin Rolston is legally blind. His faithful companion Sophie, a service dog, helps him with his stress. But nothing could have prepared Colin for the frustration he says he experienced when he tried to purchase a Samsung Blu-ray player surround sound package from Walmart.
10: Oh, I was livid.
2: Colin's battle with the retail giant began on Boxing Day. He spotted a deal at Walmart and sent his friend Candice Muse to pick up his home entertainment system at the store. Candace says she purchased the product and called Colin immediately to make sure she had the right model and price.
14: Is that
10: right? Like the tax seems a bit off.
2: Turns out the receipt showed Colin was charged a $35 environmental handling fee. Thinking the amount was too high, Colin looked up that fee only to discover he should have been charged much less.
10: Walmart was charging $35. The actual amount on the on the matrix was $2.50.
2: Candace says she notified Walmart customer service and the store manager right away. They told us to take it up with the government, and that was it, and they weren't going to go any further. Candace refunded the Blu-ray player on the spot, and Colin, meantime, went to the competition. Not only did he get a better price, he was charged the correct amount of $2.50 for the environmental handling fee. How Colin it turned to Consumer to Matters to investigate. We reached out to the company for answers. Walmart stating... After an investigation, we discovered we made a programming error in our point-of-sale systems on this product. The error has been corrected, and we apologize for the inconvenience this has caused. Walmart also stating the excess handling fees inadvertently charged were passed on to the EPRABC and did not go to Walmart. We checked with the Electronic Products Recycling Association, a nonprofit group that recycles electronics throughout Canada, to find out if that
4: was in fact true. That money would have come to EPRa to, as I said earlier, to uh, to finance our operation. But um, that fee is easily transferred back to Walmart. Walmart also says it's recommending
2: customers who believe they were inadvertently charged return to the store with a receipt where they will be reimbursed the difference between the charge fee and the adjusted correct fee. The company also says it's not aware of any other products being impacted and says records indicate less than 160 customers in B.C. were inadvertently charged. As for Colin Ralston, he says he expected much better from the retail
10: giant. It's third grade. It's not what I would expect for a a top American company.
2: And customers with any questions can also follow up with Walmart Canada's customer service via phone or email. That information is on the Consumer Matters website. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can reach me via email at consumermatters@globalnews.ca.
1: Dramatic video emerging of a rescue off the B.C. coast last Thursday. The container ship M.O.L. Prestige adrift off Haida Gwaii with 23 people on board after a major engine room fire. Five crew members were hurt fighting the blaze and two of them required a medevac. Canadian forces search and rescue technicians hoisted the pair off the nearly 300-meter vessel and airlifted them to safety. Well, as we first told you last fall, the affordable housing crisis is forcing many people to turn their RVs into homes. In one Vancouver neighborhood, businesses are fed up with the headaches of camper living. The city is finally cracking down. But as Aaron MacArthur reports, the problem isn't going anywhere.
10: The generator drowns out just about every sound except the SkyTrain overhead. It powers one of a half a dozen RVs parked on Glen Drive near the Home Depot. People are living here because they can't afford to live anywhere else or they don't want to. I,
14: I move around, I move to Spokane. I move here or I can move on the other side of uh, a Home Depot. Obviously the police and the city is quite lenient for the RVs that are parked here.
10: The RVs are creating a problem for the businesses around here. Stealing power, creating a mess and clogging up the streets. There have been accidents people blame on the campers
2: we've emailed with the city multiple times you know the police um, everybody we can even think of all of the neighbors together and unfortunately have gotten nowhere
10: the campers are breaking any number of bylaws parked illegally with obvious safety violations the city says this is a complex issue in light of a housing crisis they are loath to forcibly remove anyone they will issue tickets but only if people complain the odd ticket here and there is one thing why can't you tow them away
3: Towing is our last resort for a lot of uh, different vehicles, whether um, regardless of what people are using them for. Um, rush hour zones are the main uh, reason we tow vehicles, as well as safety infractions. Other than that, we tow as a last resort.
10: Even the campers are trying to rein in some of their bad neighbours. For some people, this is a lifestyle choice, and they don't want deadbeats ruining their free ride. I'm just here because uh, I could get
13: away with it, maybe. I think I figured out... I. Hey, maybe hundred and twenty five bucks a month and in the summer that's down to like 50.
10: Housing outreach teams do go around to the known campsites trying to convince people to move indoors more permanently. It is a tough sell in Canada's most expensive city. Aaron MacArthur, Global News.
1: Some sad news out of Hollywood tonight. John Mahoney has died.
14: Well that's weird. I suddenly feel like having a beer.
1: The veteran actor was known for playing the curmudgeonly father on Frasier. Mahoney's publicist says he passed away yesterday in hospice care. Mahoney spent 11 seasons playing Marty Crane on the hit sitcom, which earned him a SAG award. He also starred in several movies, including Say Anything and Reality Bites, during his more than 30 years in the industry. John Mahoney was 77 years old. In Health Matters tonight, a new study has found that the noise from planes, trains and automobiles could be harming your heart. German researchers found that traffic noise actually disrupts cells in the body. Their evidence shows loud sounds trigger a stress response in the nervous system, which leads to vascular damage over time. They say better traffic management, low low noise tires and air traffic curfews could help reduce potentially hazardous traffic noise.
0: You're watching Global News Hour at 6.
1: His team lost the Super Bowl, but the consolation prize for a Massachusetts team got him the best seat in the house. The details after Christie's weather forecast. And it is Christie Gordon, hug a weatherman. Or hug a meteorologist day. So. Or weather person. A weather, weather person day. You're way over there, so I'll hug you later.
3: But <laughs> Sounds good. Happy Thank to to you. Yes, and to all other meteorologists out there. Thanks, So This is not the current hour camp. It's actually from 5 o'clock. But there was a bit of sunshine just before sunset, and it was so nice. And we have a good amount of sunshine in the forecast. I'll show you when in a second. But first, some shocking video from a meteorologist down in San Francisco. Take a look
6: still some stubborn overcast here over the city look at this
3: Yes. So Mark Tomeo got uh, a little visitor. You can see a crow looking down there. And uh, he handled this much better, I think, than my spider spider video. Yes. (laughs) The crow's not as scary. Not as scary. scary. I agree. Yes. All right. So really, the temperature is a big story today. Here's a look at things. Record warm and cold across the province. Yes. So Chetwin broke a record last night, dropped down to minus 35, breaking a record from 1988. Meanwhile, the Southwest corner of the province, not quite, but very close in Victoria. Uh, 11.5 was the high from today, very close to our record, which was set back in 1987. And it's all because of a very strong Arctic front that slumped down across the province, cold across the northeast and very mild across the southwest. Now, this system here is going to move down and, and trigger more moisture into these regions. So, yes, that means snow. You have seen a few flurries underneath that front today. But we are back into snow after the snowstorm you saw yesterday. So it'll move into the north coast tomorrow, down into the central interior tomorrow as well. Those of you across the south will feel the effects of it by tomorrow night. So here's a look at your forecast. 5 to 10 centimeters of snow for Terrace Smithers. It'll be rain along the coast, though. Prince George, 5 centimeters for you. But south of there, Quinnell Williams Lake. A good Rain along the coast, though Prince George five centimeters for you, but south of there, Quinell, Williams Lake, a good ten centimeters of snow for your day tomorrow. Just light showers or flurries in through the southern regions, but you'll feel the effects of it tomorrow night. So tomorrow night, five to ten centimeters of snow across these regions. For our day tomorrow, fairly light, a chance of showers. We may catch a few sunny breaks, but it still remains unsettled tomorrow. By the way, today is day 21 of rain across our region, and we are going to be back in a. Rain on Wednesday. It's towards the weekend though that we finally have not one but potentially two days of sunshine. Happy birthday to Margaret and ne- uh, Neely Mainwaring and also well, 107 for you and Lillian Clark. And I'll leave you with another crow, so an albino or you might oh. call it a Kermode crow. Thanks to Amber for that one.
1: Very cool. All right, thanks, Christy. The teenager in the spotlight during the Super Bowl halftime show is now sharing the story behind his big moment. You'll recall when Justin Timberlake ran into the stands at the end of his halftime performance, 13-year-old Ryan McKenna was there. He happened to be in the right place at the right time. The Massachusetts teen securing forever fame as the kid who got that super selfie with JT in a moment that went viral.
5: My dad told me he was coming around so I like went behind the people and I just like jumped in there and he's kinda stopped like right where our row was. So I just had to jump out there with my phone and try to get a picture. I had to post it, but I'm a huge Justin Timberlake fan and he's like that was my favorite song, can't stop this feeling, so I was just like so excited to like that he was right there.
1: Well that photo almost didn't happen. Ryan had been shooting a video of Timberlake when the singer appeared and the phone for whatever reason just turned off. However, he managed to get the thing going again just in time to snap that selfie. Well, Valentine's Day is little more than a week away, and Victoria should be pretty busy. For the sixth year in a row, the capital city reigns as Canada's most romantic. B.C. dominating the love list with eight cities in the top 20. Abbotsford held on to the number two spot, while third place, Whitehorse, became the first. On Canada ranking looks at 2017 per capita sales data from romance novels, relationship books, and sexual wellness products.
11: That's the criteria? How many romance novels are sold?
1: (laughs) And sexual wellness products.
11: (laughs) Well, apparently everybody east of Alberta is not romantic at all because nobody appeared in that list east of Alberta. (laughs)
1: What is amazing. I mean,
11: I guess he, there's yeah, love in yeah, the well, air
1: here in BC. Generally, if
11: you're selling romance <laughs> novels and sexual wellness Products. things, yes, you should not be doing it east of Alberta because nobody's interested.
1: All right, Squire's got a special I'm going to show you in one
11: sec. But um, yes, I do have a fashion show in today's program. Um, soccer is still the game, but instead of white, Silver gray is now the color, or at least it will be for about half of the Whitecaps games this year. They have changed their look a few times since they joined Major League Soccer, but then again, a lot of soccer teams around the world do that, keeps things fresh, and it also sells merchandise. An early indication from fans of the Whitecaps is they like this one. Where am I going here? Thumbs up. There you go. It's the silver gray. What do you think? Thumbs up. You like it? I like it. It's way better than that brown one they broke out a few years ago. I mean, not even the Cleveland Browns are brown. It's like brown and blue or something. Yeah, it was just brown. It was unfortunate. But the other uniform will be the white with the blue, uh, the raindrop uniform. But this will be there for about half the season. And they're going to put them on sale on February 13th. So there, you had a preview. All right. Okay, Philadelphia. Nick Foles just helped you win the Super Bowl. Your first ever filling in for the injured Carson Wentz. What are you gonna do with him now? Well the answer is probably trade him because the moment Wentz's knee is back to normal he is the Eagles starting quarterback again. Foles has one year left in his contract in Philadelphia but his trade value will never be higher than it is right now. And I gotta say the Patriots didn't really pressure him at all in yesterday's game. Great offensive line too that Philadelphia has. Foles has the arm and talent to succeed if he is on the right team. And he showed it yesterday. He showed it the week before in East Minnesota, or two weeks before. This throw, dead solid perfect to Elshon Jeffrey. Now the play he'll be remembered for most is when he caught a pass. First quarterback to do so in the Super Bowl right before halftime. Gutsy call, fourth down call. But this was my favorite fools play. This pass is basically between Two defenders and a third coming, and he hits Corey Clement perfectly. I know he kind of bobbled the ball, but it's a good touchdown, and that's a great pass from Nick Foles. Now, in a game with very little defense, the best defensive play at the Super Bowl may have been the security guard holding comedian Kevin Hart to no yards when he tried to get on the stage for the trophy presentation. Now, Hart is a Philadelphia guy, born and raised, and he's in big movies, but... That doesn't mean you get by security when they're handing out the Lombardi trophy. He apologized today, saying that when alcohol is in your system, you do dumb stuff. Thanks for the tip. Like trying to get by a security guard who's the size of King Kong Bundy, when you yourself are only 5'2". He did crash a post-game show, though, but was kicked off of that when he dropped an F-bomb, which is also something alcohol will do to you. But I'm quite sure other Eagles fans did much worse after the game yesterday. All right. Oilers, Lightning. The Lightning beat the Canucks on Saturday. Now they're in Edmonton. Connor McDavid gets a power play goal right there. Nice passing, but here's one of the reasons the Oilers have struggled this year defensively. They can be a tragedy. Example, this. oh, Right in front of the net, Alex Killorn scores. It's 1-1 in the first period. Well, barring unforeseen events, Ty Ronning will hold the Vancouver Giants record for most goals in one season, and he'll also become the first Giant to reach the magic number of 50 goals in one season. That's impressive. Still, quite a bit short of the 89 his dad Cliff scored in one season for the New Westminster Bruins. But that was in the 80s. That was in the 80s, I should say, when I don't think goalies were allowed to play. Here come the Giants. Good speed, caution at speed feet for Watts. Hard
10: across, Ronning scores!
9: It's no longer if Tyron is going to score 50 goals, more of when. Ronning is a goal away from matching Evander Kane's club record of 48 goals in a season and three away from becoming the first ever giant to reach the lofty mark. Uh, Determination and skill, put the two of them together, both a plus, you end up with 40 to 50 goals.
14: That wasn't my goal at the start of the season. My goal was was to uh, make playoffs and and, and, from there go along and and, uh, try to go as far as I can in playoffs as a team.
9: Both the Giants and Ronning are going places. G-Men destined to make their first playoff appearance in four years. Ronning's 47 goals deep into a season that'll earn him his first pro contract with the New York Rangers. He's living skating proof that little guys can play what used to be a big man's game providing you put the time in. He's always had a tremendous work ethic, so that's always been there, but I think the strength and power is there, and, and also the the hard areas. He, he's consistently going to the hard areas. He's scoring in different ways, and if you're going to put up that many goals, you know, you got to get to the net, and he's clearly doing that for us, and uh, he's being rewarded for it. For all the work that he's done, you can see him at the start of this year uh, evolve into a size of a player that could play in the National Hockey League. Ronning spent a month and a half of his summer working. Working out in New York with the Rangers strength and conditioning coach, he also skated with a handful of NHLers. Judging by the season he's had and how Ty's game has evolved, the next question to be answered is when will he make his NHL debut with the Rangers? Jay Januar, Global
11: Sports. There you go.
1: What did Tom Larshad used to say about Cliff running? Little... Little Cliffy Running or something like that?
11: Something like that. Call okay, well, he was little. Thanks, Squire. Bases. Whistler Blackcomb close to 300 centimeters, Grouse 366, Cypress 365, and Sasquatch just under 300. Revelstoke a base of 271 with 12 new, Manning Park 194 with 10 new, Powder King Base 249, Mount Washington 235. In the southern interior, a fair bit of fresh snow has fallen. Big White, a base of 255, Silver Star 254, Sun Peaks 217, and Apex 227. Coming up on ET Canada, we have your Super Bowl celeb reaction and the latest JT controversy. Plus, reaction to Uma Thurman's accusations against Harvey Weinstein and Quentin Tarantino. That's
3: coming up at 7 right after the news hour. Back to you.
1: Thank you very much, Carlos. Well, this next story is a throwback to the 1980s when many of us might remember struggling to solve the Rubik's Cube. An Ontario teen can not only match up all the colors, he can do it with one hand. And as Jasmine Pisano explains, he's breaking records as a single-handed speed cuber.
15: Ten seconds, wow. Jonathan oh Esperaz God. is still trying to beat his own speed cubing record. Seven point five seven seconds is how long it took him to solve a Rubik's Cube with one hand at last week's speed cubing competition, breaking the record for the fastest single-handed solve in North America.
14: I knew it was Canadian national record, and then I was like, oh wait, that's North American record. So then it was kind of like double mind-blown. <laughs>
15: Esperas started speed cubing when he was just 12 years old, but says at first he didn't want to solve the puzzle himself. He wanted to build a robot to do it for him.
14: Since the Rubik's cubes like really difficult, I was like, oh, maybe I'm not smart enough to solve the Rubik's cube, but I could make a robot that could do the thinking for me. Uh, but the robot didn't really work out, so then I had a scrambled Rubik's cube and kind of just figured it out myself.
15: Since then, he has won 61 competitions across the continent and can even solve the puzzle with his eyes closed but the speedcuber holding the world record is Felix Zemdegs from Australia who Esperaz hopes to beat one day.
14: Breaking a world record would be cool but that's not really like my end goal. I kind of like you know using cubing to make a difference.
15: Esperaz visits clubs across the GTA teaching kids how to speed cube. Oh where's that piece? Even helping his parents solve the puzzle.
14: The Rubik's Cube it's brought me like a lot of fun, a lot of joy, uh, and I kind of want to share that with other people.
5: Every time he goes to that next level, we are just mind blown. Esperaz will be hosting his
15: own competition in Pickering in March, but he says he wants all speed cubers to remember what's most important, to have fun.
14: If you're always just pursuing the next win, I don't think you'll ever be happy.
15: Yes! Jasmine Pizzano, Global News. That's
3: amazing. So, it is amazing. He's
1: smart and he's a good human being.